0: Today's episode of the ButteCast is brought to you by Casa Grande Steakhouse. Sure, you know you cannot beat Casa Grande steaks, chicken marcella, and sushi, but did you know how much Butte's finest restaurant gives back to the community? Whether it is providing cooked-to-perfection entrees for the American Legion baseball concession stand or feeding the Butte High Bulldogs during their team meals, Casa Grande's is all about the mining city. Dine in and be treated like family. You can also have Casa Grande's handle all your catering needs with style, class, and a taste that cannot be beat. Casa Grande Steakhouse, eat where the locals eat. Casa Grande's is a proud sponsor of the Buttecast.
1: Welcome to the Buttecast with Bill Foley. It's a podcast about the greatest city in the world, Butte America. Amen. Let's meet the people and characters who make Butte the richest hill on earth. Now, here's my dad, Bill Foley.
0: I've referred to him as the Anaconda Town Crier, Biff Tanner, and Eric Cartman. Whatever you call him, Blake Hempstead seems to be a polarizing figure in Anaconda. People either really like him or they really dislike him. There's not a whole lot of in-between. That is because Blake is always standing up and fighting for what he thinks is right. He is not afraid to speak up, and he has the tact of a bagpipe player. Nobody loves Anaconda more than Blake. While many of his generation have bailed on the old smelter city, Blake stays and tries to make life better there. Nobody loves Anaconda Copperheads more than Blake either. For more than two decades, he has been the play-by-play man for Copperhead Sports. He works hard to make sure young boys and girls in Anaconda want to grow up to be Copperheads, Along with his wife, Melissa, who must have terrible vision and an awful sense of smell, Blake operates Anode Designs in Anaconda. He specializes in Copperhead merchandise, but he can make anything. As you can see in the photo accompanying this podcast on ButteCast.com, Blake also made some ButteCast shirts. They look great, and the quality is top-notch. Blake is today's podcast guest. Listen in as he talks about growing up in Anaconda and seeing how the town has changed over the years. Listen in as he talks about the renovation of Memorial Gym his man crush on Brody Kelly, and his doubts about the paternity of Renzi Kelly. Listen in to hear how Blake's love of Anaconda is as genuine as they come. Thanks for all the recommendations for the people you would like to hear from on the ButteCast. The leader in recommendations by far is Rick Sparks, and I am happy to say that Sparky will be on the podcast later this week. Please keep those suggestions coming, and please tell your friends about the ButteCast and how to download the Apple and Spotify apps. Also, please support our sponsors— If you would like to advertise on the ButteCast, we have plenty of space for you, too. Now, let's get to know the Anaconda town crier himself, Blake Hempstead. All right,
1: Blake Hempstead in Anaconda, how are you,
0: buddy? This is awesome.
2: This is a... Am I the number one guy? I should have been number one. You look back at all the Butte guys. Yeah. I should have been number one. Jesse who? Jesse Lazovich? You're
0: the first guy I went out of town to talk to. I thought for sure I would go see Stanisich and Dylan first, which I'm going to do once I figure out how to explain to what a podcast is. But you're the first guy I actually went on the road, on the interstate. Stanny probably has
2: more Anaconda stories than I do. But you have to ask him, Stan, you gotta explain to me how do you fend defend the one three one. Yeah. Let him talk to you about it. I, I met up with him years ago, I think it was after a wedding or something. We were at the KC. Yeah, and I didn't get kicked out of the place. But I was talking to him and it was back in the class A days, and he sat down and you know, we were a little tipsy and he wrote exactly how to beat the one three one. He says really?
0: nobody'll do it because nobody attacks it this way. Yeah, it's He's an awesome dude does terry know that he has that out there on paper for you there somewhere so someone could find it uh, what's terry gonna what's anybody gonna say to ted i yeah. mean
2: seriously i mean he's he, of all the dylan characters that we've known yeah. uh steve you know all of them
0: you know ted obviously well it's because he's a beaut guy oh well there you go yeah the old Ted status. And my, you're talking about what's Terry going to say to Ted? I was at a football game, and Stanny always stands uh, about the 15-yard line at Dylan games. You know, and he usually has a little fun before the games. But he's standing there one time, and Tim Flynn's refereeing, and he ran into Stanny. You know, who may have, may not have been right on the line or a little bit in, and so Tim Tim's pissed off. He didn't know who he ran into. He gives Terry a warning. And Terry looks down ready to scream at somebody for, you know, getting run into it. I mean, he would, have, he would have ripped my head off if it was me or anybody. And Stan, looks at him and he puts his arms up hey, this is my seat. And Terry just shook his head, laughed, and <laughs> <laughs> went down because he, he, he knew that he, he's above approach. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. So we're here at Anode Designs is where you're in the back room where all the magic happens. A little bit of magic. Uh, um, mostly screw-ups, as you can tell. Do you get uh, a lot of screw-ups?
2: Oh, all the time. Do you wear them? I do, yeah. If you look on the <laughs> around the corner, uh, that's what I usually wear. That's what, uh, you know, we, we have some kids that come down, and um, I have some kids during the summer, they'll go down and clean screens and do just some random stuff, and it gets a little cold down in the basement. It's, uh, you know, an old union hall, so it's it's built to last, but it gets a little cool down there, and yeah, we, we wear that stuff, and Cut it up. Back in the day, that's what our parents did. They cut it up and used it for wash rags. You know, cut up all your old yeah. socks and shirts, and uh, that's what we do here.
0: We but, use them yeah. to clean up the screen, so yeah. And i got to get a picture before we get done with this, too, of you in this uh, Butte uh T-shirt. It's the best thing you've ever... It's the best you've ever looked. The best part about it is you own the company, and you had to pause. You can't even read the shirt. Well, I could <laughs> I mean, read it. I was just... Uh, I was, good. I, did. I was just going to go with the Butte, and then I said, I'll go with the full name, because it says Butte on it where I can see right there, and that's what, and you, you look better, you look healthier, you look like you're thinner, you look like you just, you know, you've been working out pumping iron just B- because you got big Butte clothes. on your shoes. Yeah, big clothes. The bigger you buy them, the bigger <laughs> no, you can wear them. it's the Butte. Yeah. It's the Butte.
2: No, and honestly, I, I, I joked about it before, it's like those clowns that go out and they wear the rock T-shirt to the rock concert they're attending. So I figured yeah. I'd just kind of get into that.
0: <laughs> like wearing a cowboy hat to a, to a country western concert? Exactly. <laughs> I remember when Mark Doherty did that. First time I ever saw him in a cowboy hat was at an Indy Gritty Dirt Band concert. Tease the heck out of him for that. Now, the, of course, this is, uh, this is kind of cats and dogs. I mean, last week I sat down with Bernie Boyle with Packers and Bears, but this really is cats and dogs because there was probably a time where I'm, I'm pretty sure when we played football as freshmen... And I think I told you this story before. There, a kid from Anaconda, a defensive player, I was, going, I was playing left tackle, I think, just reaches out and grabs my hand. Because we remember never had those 1950s helmets. It had you know, two bars going across and one down the middle. They just look ridiculous, which nowadays they can't, even wear a, they can't even wear a 2019 helmet anymore. But we had like the 1950s helmets in 1989. And the Anaconda defender reaches out and grabs me by that, just twists me down onto the ground. And looks down and points and laughs at me at the shock on my face when I, because he knew it was he could get away with that crap in Anaconda back then. That's what I figured. But I think there's at least a twenty percent chance that was you. Actually, no,
2: I didn't play football my freshman and sophomore years. It, so. uh, it could have been junior high too. It could have junior high definitely. Yeah, uh, I that was probably. But the, the case. memories all blend right in. I remember uh, one of the telling memories in junior high when I was playing football is uh, Brent Choquette. He trucked me and. Yeah. I, I want to say that he probably drugged me for thirty yards before, you know, even went down. And I, I mean, obviously, it, it felt that. But no, I, yeah, I was I was a little kid back. then. I was just saying
0: because Brent Choquette was like forty five pounds as a freshman.
2: Yeah, he was bigger than me. <laughs> yeah, was, you were, oh, so you I, were pretty little. Huh?
0: I graduated one thirty five. I wrestled my
2: junior and senior year at uh, at one thirty five, and now yeah, so, I'm so probably wasn't you then who grabbed and threw me
0: because I think it was a bigger
2: player. Oh, I was tough. I was tough. No. I, I I was cheap. Yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't.
0: I, I didn't know when That's to where say I, no. I, when I learned, because Hoagies, always, they told us to wear cups, and not everybody wore cups. And after I played an Anaconda, I wore a cup every football game the rest of my life. Well, I'm sorry for that. I, I apologize for yeah.
2: anything that Anaconda ever <laughs> did to you. <laughs> did
0: uh, you do, well, I'm pretty sure we, we gave
2: it back just as good as we got it. Some of the stuff, and I know we're going to get into it, some of the stuff uh, coming from, you know, our cheering sections from back and forth And you know it was great yeah. but one thing that you you've talked about several times is getting into the scuffle during basketball that yeah. man's name is scott collinsworth he and his wife own the uh what it, the fort peck inn i believe it is it's it's the place on fort peck where you can go in it's, oh, it's all really? right yeah it's got a he does a lot of guiding out of there. Um, he used to work yeah. at REC. They just recently moved up. It's been about two years. That's the guy for the basketball. At? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and he's he's a tender kid.
0: He's yeah. yeah. He's he's a pretty good. Kid. I, I talked to really him. Growing. I talked to him a couple years later when I was working at the golf course. Yeah, he gave him a play. But the funny thing about that story because I got hit in the face at the Civic Center. He hit me in the forehead. Or the, the the nose like with his forearm. It was right after Mikey Drew blocked a shot and I said something. Mikey Drew like. You know, probably taunting him a little bit, but congratulating Mikey Drew, you know, and taunting him. And he hits me in the forearm with, uh, with the forearm and the shiver there. And But the I know his eyes watering a little bit, and the ball just bounced right to me. I mean, I didn't go looking for the ball. It just bounced right into my hands. I turned around, and I saw the back of his head, and I threw it as hard as I could, and I hit him between the shoulder blades. And Brian Yellenich was referee and saved my life because that kid would have killed me. If he, he turned around with his dukes up, he was ready to go. But the funny part about it is, is that it reminds me of, remember uh, Spike and Chester on the, on the Looney Tunes? Hey, Spike, you want to go beat up a cat? Sure. The little guy was with him. And all through the game, the little guy kept looking down. Because we were sitting on the, was it the east end of the Civic Center on the, down by the floor. And Anaconda kids were just down the ways. On the on the West End, and this kid just kept staring at me like he was going to kick my ass the whole time, and because he was sitting next to his big friend, and that's that's what I remember. Those two were the two that went golfing together when I was when I was a course marshal at the muni uh,
2: It was probably Greg Eiblings. Uh, Greg mm-hmm. was about my size. Yeah, yeah, I, probably, and we were yeah. all friends. All. Yeah, but, but, but it's pretty but funny. Yeah. But you said it. You said it, you had it coming. You opened your mouth. I probably and then, did. Yeah. And then the repercussions come, and then it's oh anaconda this, anaconda that. Uh, but we're used to that. We're used to no. taking. Uh, unsolicited <laughs>
0: hate uh, from the yeah. likes of you. Well, were you, were you, when you were in high school, like freshman year? Not really. You got older. Were you as nervous coming to Butte for sporting events as I was coming to Anaconda for games?
2: One hundred percent. And I will tell you, we've we've talked about it at length, at nauseum. Really, um, one of the one of the big memories I have. Of going to Butte is when the girls and, and boys were in different seasons, and you know, yeah. the girls' basketball and boys' basketball. And we came over, uh, we were, uh, what were we doing? I, I can't remember what it, was. it Well, it was during wrestling season, so I think it was, uh, it might have been the end of a girls' volleyball, it might have been the start of girls' volleyball. But we're at Butte High, and the, the name that I can remember is Chuck. Hazlett yeah and it's me and his name's Jeremy Kopp he's now a a a police I think a sheriff in Three Forks and we come out we would go to all the games and I got another story about Beckman about all that but you know (laughs) we're traveling and we always go and support the the kids and even back then I was a you know I I really like going to sporting events and yeah kind of like what I do now but we're walking out of that gym and of course you know we're not with any parents or anything like that and we're across the parking lot and sure enough here comes the butte high mob and we're <laughs> with our leather jackets and we get into it he's got this little chevy it's you know just the two-seat cab and when whenever we came to butte we always had a t-ball bat and it it wasn't to start trouble no. it was really to protect ourselves and we got into that truck and i mean it there might have only been 10 or 20 people there but it sure seemed like a lot more. Yeah. And you know, he tells me to roll down the window and I, and I knew him from wrestling and I said, "No, I'm not rolling <laughs> down the window." And and he's trying to pull and get us out and he says, "Roll down the window." I'm like, "Okay, but come on, just let us go." So I rolled down the window and I popped him with the bat. What you hit him with the end of it. Yeah, yeah, just with the end of it. Squared his nose up and and Jeremy luckily didn't hit anybody leaving the parking lot. We went over a couple of the pavers and flew out of town. Right. The next day, remember when uh, Montana Tech had the career days? Yeah. Well, we were over there, and Chucky Hazlitt... Was that he, your senior year? Or is yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Chucky, he, he found me up on the hill. And, yeah, and we never, the, there were adults there, so it never happened again. But he caught me in Billings. He caught me at the state wrestling tournament, and... Scared the ever loving shit out of me. Yeah. Because like I said, I was hundred and thirty-five pounds and back then Butte High a wrest- kid. Well, Butte High Wrestling. I mean, he I think he wrestled 189 and Butte High Wrestling, mm-hmm. they they were the real deal. Yeah, he was good. Well, and not only that, but Butte High Wrestlers were the real deal. They walked yeah. around like Anaconda kids did in the early nineties. You know, you wore you saw somebody with an Anaconda letter jacket. Yeah. And those were the kids where you you didn't mess with them. So I mean, it was it we was a real a thing. Chucky.
0: Well, no, I mean he wouldn't beat up. There was this kid that was talking crap about him. I, I won't mention his name, but Chucky, I believe, I believe it was Chucky went into the classroom, beat the kid up right in the classroom, and then then <laughs> left like hey, I gotta go to the bathroom. And then went down to the to the science class and 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 fought the kid. But if you meet Chucky now, he's you'd never guess that he ever was a fighter. Well, no, I mean he's such a he's such an easygoing guy, always laughing. Well, and that's that, of course that's the guy I knew anyway, because we were always goofing around, and I knew I met him his junior year when we were in uh, woodshop class. And Chucky uh, was always, you know, clowning around and having fun. We talk
2: about it. And I talked about this a couple years ago. We were walking out of the Deer Lodge gym back when the Anaconda Deer Lodge rivalry started back up, and the kids used to stand outside the door, and even the parents they would have to walk between the kids as you would walk out to the parking lot, yeah. and it was very intimidating. But what it did is it reminded me a lot of what Anaconda did. The buses always park out in front of the Memorial Gym. And back then, you know, when the kids come out, it was, okay, we're jumping these guys. <laughs> and me as a sophomore, I remember very clearly, and I'm not going to say their names, the ones who told me to do it, but they said, if you don't start putting the boots to that kid, you're getting it next. And as a sophomore, oh, really? 110 pounds, I mean, that's so where you, the fight started. Yeah, We used to have to do that too. I remember... Tony and Corey Hewitt. I was the manager on the on the basketball team my freshman year when they were seniors. When when Corey was yeah. a senior. And we're in Livingston. And that's, you know, they have uh Gersak and, you know, they have Livingston back then was really solid. Yeah. And, you know, we walked out of that gym and you know, it felt a little, a little bit better when you're walking out with the likes of Corey Hewitt. But yeah, you feel tougher when you got Corey and Tony Hewitt standing by you. Yeah, I'm, I'm 115 <laughs> pounds hauling the medical chest. It, it's just all, back then. all Livingston it was,
0: was a scary place back then.
2: It was, you know, it, it was, and it still kind of is. I mean, it really hasn't evolved from all the Neanderthals that used <laughs> to be there. But uh,
0: I mean, now <laughs> Blake Evans like said, <laughs> yeah, right." The, no, I mean, but obviously what was a different place because that was like at the the cult was there at the height of that, you know. The remember they had the, the, the all the the Freeman wasn't quite the, wasn't was it the, Freeman, the Freeman the church the Universal Triumph or something like that oh, okay. or what they call it. I can't remember, but they were stock. It was like they thought it was going to be a Waco kind of deal. Well, it was before the money has Pro- moved that profit. Okay, right.
2: Thing. It was before the money has moved into yeah. the Paradise Valley. and yeah. Now you have the likes of John Mayer and and the people who live there with money and I think Dennis Quaid Blank lives there. Yeah, Dennis Quaid, Arthur Blank,
0: um, Jimmy Buffett. Does Jimmy Buffett live in Paradise he, Valley? I think he lives there occasionally. Yeah. Really, but anyway, I've never I mean, never talked to him. There.
2: You know, we we joke a lot, but I mean, Livingston has turned the corner, and I I still know people there, and
0: but back then it was it was a rough place. You're right. Well, nowadays it's the parents. It's the moms screaming, moms and dads <sighs> screaming at you at the kids and the, the officials and everybody. Then we were we were worried about the officials. <laughs> we were worried about the student section, and it was. But it's it's, it's a different time. You know, it, you know everybody's different. C- kids are different. That's so why I was talking with somebody the other day about the Butte High student section, like when, when Gary Kane and, uh, and, and Todd Erickson were playing for the Bulldogs. There was the whole, Butte High took up the whole bottom section of the Civic Center, the students did. And uh, Coach Richards up from Butte High was, uh, or from Montana Tech, he was offensive coordinator for Bob Green and he taught at, taught at Butte High and he was an official. And for at least a quarter, they chanted Richard sucks the whole time. If they, I mean, they didn't that they wouldn't say anything now. This, the administrators would shut them down, yeah, pretty quick, which is a good thing. <laughs> I mean, but I mean for uh, of course we had egg night in view too. I mean things that would never, never happen. They can they can stop the kids, but of course there's there's a lot worse things kids got going on now. Of course we didn't have the, the social media bullying and all that stuff. You sure. know, can't even keep track of all the stuff we got to worry about with our kids in high school now but it was a different time. Congratulations to the inaugural Lescavar Athletes of the Week, Butte Central senior Brooke Badovinnik and Butte High senior Cameron Guernsey. Badovinnik takes home the girls' honor after scoring 38 points in Butte Central's 68-56 home win over Livingston. The 38 points set a BC girls' scoring record against Class A competition. The big night also lifted Badovinnik over 1,000 career varsity points. She scored 671 of those points during her junior season. No high school boy or girl in Butte has ever scored more in a single season. Guernsey receives the Boys Award after he scored a total of 34 points to help lead the Bulldogs in home wins over Kalispell Glacier and Kalispell Flathead. His 18-point performance against Glacier on Friday included a three-pointer to put the Dogs up one late in a 60-55 win. His 16 against Flathead included a pair of huge threes down the stretch. He scored 12 points in the fourth quarter of a 59-48 victory. Congratulations, Brooke and Cameron, and thank you to Lescavar Honda for honoring the hardworking student-athletes of the Mining City. Hey Butte America, John Davis here at Lescavar Honda with some fantastic news. With 2023 off and running, we are looking forward to serving you and making a positive impact in our community. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, stop on by and see us Lescovar Honda proud sponsor of the Montana High School Association and home of the 20-year 200,000 mile warranty well you talk about some
2: of the the anaconda uh, fans and some of the anaconda cheering sections that we had back, and we also had a, a much larger enrollment but I can remember you know how good Tyler Hurley was at basketball and of course yeah. Allie and Tyler there you know we're playing uh, at the At the Civic Center, and you know, were ranked probably two or three in Butte High. Tyler was uh, was on the team. That in fact, that year they maybe should have won state. They were good. If Tyler didn't get hurt, yeah. Um, At the Civic Center, crazy enough, but Tyler Gilder, but. Tyler completely shut down because the student section started chanting "Allie's
0: better. Yeah. I got in trouble over that one too.
2: Oh my, and Don Holst. I remember Don Holst was there. He was kind kind of looking at at Tyler and, and eventually Tyler did go to, to the Grizzlies anyway, but it really, it rattled him and it was real. And it wasn't anything, no, no. It, and with that many people and that many kids and every time he misses a shot, it gets louder. Yeah, and louder. And when he was shooting free throws, it, it you yeah. could tell it really affected him. And, and I mean, now you'd look back
0: on it, and Tyler'd probably just shrug it off. But as a kid, it was it was, it was absolutely thought. real. And I didn't realize that because I think I joked about it in the column because uh, they did that to Matt Picorni. Got that too from the Butte High kids. Oh, you know, because uh, and he was good player too. Similar sure. kind of deal, you know. His sister was really good, and now of course Allie was a superstar. But Tyler was Tyler was too really. But how do you ignore that? And I didn't realize that was really got to him as much as it did. But it would—that's how it get to you. Remember the guy for played for North Carolina, I think, Hansborough or something like that. I, they do kids had his phone number. They were holding up a sign with his phone number, shooting free throws, and he says it was my phone number. He, and he, so he how do you shoot a free throw when they got your phone number? So he Said he got to the locker room and would find a. His phone was full of messages telling him how he sucked from Duke fans, <laughs> which is funny stuff. But uh, in high school, though, it's not always not always good to have to go deal with that.
2: Absolutely. But, well, and of course, you tease me all the time about, you know, Anaconda. When uh, what were we? I was a junior when we were when Butte Central the year they won it. Of course, with Sean Walsh and yeah. and and Ryan Murphy. Still to this day, Ryan, as a kid, um, I th- no, Ryan had graduated by then. Ryan had graduated by then. By the time I was a junior, but um, we come up and Ryan Murphy. Yeah, he was a he was a senior when we were juniors. Okay, so maybe yeah. he was, oh, so maybe yeah, he, was, he was a senior. He was ninety two. okay. Yeah. So yeah, he was playing on that. Year. And just watching him be able to warm up and shoot the ball, he was the first kid that I can remember that there was no three point line. It was five feet behind the three point yeah. line, but of course we made the sign anaconda and butte central they were one and two and in, in the state yeah not just for central a but you know of course we made the sign you know when when sean was academically ineligible and yeah. we didn't know the circumstances behind it and it didn't you know, matter yeah no <laughs> so yeah <laughs> that care. was that was the sign that got me a three-day stay at home There's. You know, Sean Walsh, can you spell
0: academically ineligible? You were behind that one, and you got suspended? I did, because
2: I told, at that time, I was, I, me, and, me and the uh, uh, the principal were, were buddies. He, he was uh, my freshman basketball coach, mm-hmm. uh, and he told me, I told him right off the bat, we were going to do it, and back then, do you know how long it took to make a sign like that yeah. on those old dot matrix printers? I mean, it was <laughs> yep <laughs> and that was a long it was the as long as the student section, you yeah. know, it took us and obviously it's in the paper and you roll it out and, and and it was big enough for the other, I mean, even the Butte Central fans, they yeah. were laughing at it, and was it funny now it's it's yeah. funny, it's not funny that what it could have done to a kid like that because I mean, quite yeah. honestly. My senior year in yeah. football, I was academically ineligible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so karma's a bitch, I guess. Yeah. I, but that I, was,
0: uh, yeah, that got me a three-day stay-at-home. Yeah. I, I Pro- if there's one person that probably didn't bother, it's Sean Walsh. I, I don't even know if he was even
2: even in the crowd. He yeah. wasn't playing in the game, and of yeah. course, and it was uh, it was Elmer Carsoni as our as our principal. Yeah, ever ever after that, yeah, he, he and I didn't really see eye to eye. I'm I'm really good. Buddies with his son now with yeah. Rico, Carsoni. But uh, I don't know if I ever told him that story, <laughs> or even got into you know some of the
0: pushes and pulls that that Mr. Yeah. Carsoni and I would yeah. uh, would get into. We we did that with that. Uh, we had a son, We got in, we didn't get in trouble. We had the Becky Lyons. Of course, is now Dougie Peoples' his mom. Becky Peoples. She had the poster. I swear it was my idea. Brian Doherty will tell you it was his. But I. It was my idea. Brian held the poster up, but you know how they had, you'd hold up posters of girls in b- bikinis when they're shooting free throws? When we played, and Livingston came in when we were sophomores, Livingston comes to Butte for the, I think it was, it might have been, I can't remember if it was state or division, I think it was divisional. And Brian runs down there and holds a picture of this guy in a Speedo, <laughs> the Moscow guy, holds it up as he's shooting free throws, runs right down there and holds it up. Yeah, we got in trouble for that. Becky lost her poster that she had on her wall. <laughs> so the, And that's one of those things like, what the heck were we doing, you know, and I wouldn't want to be an administrator now. Like like Chad has to deal with the Central kids a lot and they're, they're pretty tame. But one year they, they were going to make fun, Butte High with a question mark when Butte High had some kids booted off the team, you know, (laughs) and uh, they asked if they could do it. I, that, that's what the kids. That's the difference. Is they, right. I said, you got it, it's, just a Ca- do it. it's the Catholic way to do it and ask for forgiveness. You don't do ask for permission because that's like when we hit golf balls in the pit. They said if you just would ask us, we might let you do it. And I'm like no, you wouldn't. And I mean, it wouldn't have been fun. Would have been fun. <laughs> we we asked for forgiveness. So uh, yeah, that, that's what that kind of reminds me. But I remember that sign. Well, that was a big deal. Yeah, and, it, and well, it was it was far and wide. It Everyone everyone knew it. But Central ended up winning that game too. Uh, we scored the first
2: four points. I remember Ike Cafe, He. Uh, he had Anaconda up for nothing, and you want to talk about games. What year was that? Was it? Uh, that was 91-92. 90,
0: okay. Yeah, and Ike was a sophomore playing with
2: yeah Carson. Central was good then. Those guys yeah.
0: said so good. Uh, their big win, though, of course, the one win that was the biggest win at the time I remember was when they beat Anaconda. the Our freshman year, Central was like – they had a losing record when, and they played in the state championship. Right, because cause Sean Walsh became eligible, <laughs> and, yeah. and that changed things. But Murph Walsh, Brandon Bodecker, uh they had a great team. Uh, Damon O'Neill was on that team, but they beat Anaconda in the in the, the divisional championship game, and then they went into playing in the championship game of the state and lost to Dylan. Dylan had the good team that year. Of course, uh, Finney was coaching that. Yeah. Yeah, and Ferris. He had the Ferris uh, the Ferris boys on that team, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's been, of course, that's 30, 33 years ago. That's now. a ways ago. But, uh, yeah, Beck, that was Beckman's. That was a huge, huge win. They were, they thought they were getting fired. Remember, like, Conan was the JV coach, Jim Conan. Don Peoples was the freshman coach, and they thought for sure they were getting fired. Then they go to the divisionals and win it. <laughs> and Beckman ended up sticking around, and it was, a, I think he coached one more year. One more year, and then he moved here. He moved here, and then they won it right after yeah. with uh, Berg. But uh, now Anaconda is—it's—it's uh, a, it's a different town than it used to be. Obviously, I mean, it, it can't—it it ain't gonna be the place it was in the '60s, '70s. Just like Butte isn't the same place. Sure. Place. But do, do you remember? Have you, ever, have you have a lot of memories of when the smelter was running? What it was like here? Uh,
2: it, it was closed in in
0: 1980. So, uh sort of six, seven years old. Yeah. So I one real
2: big memory. I mean, I always remember. We always used to, when my dad got home from work, we'd go to his lunch pail and, you know, he'd only eat half of his dessert. You know, he'd get the ho-hos or, you know, the yeah. snowballs or anything like that. And we'd go in and, you know, it was the first one between my brother and I, we'd go in and, and raid the lunchbox. And, and uh, it, that's why I probably look the way I do now. But...
0: <laughs> you look skinny with that butcher, shirt on.
2: Yeah, I do. Yeah, well, 3X will do that to you.
0: <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> but I remember... Everybody getting a, a T-shirt, and I've I've tried to find that T-shirt because I want to replicate it and, and put it here. All the school kids got a T-shirt. It was a white T-shirt and a red ringer around it. Maybe it was just the Washington kids, the Washington yeah. school where I was going there. Um, it, either we were – it was either I was in kindergarten or first grade, but I remember we went outside, and the reason was we were showing support for – at that time, we didn't know, but showing support for all the people who were basically losing their job yeah. and their livelihood. So that was, uh, I mean, it. It's one of those things where you look back and think, as an adult now, wow, what am I going to do? You know, yeah. uh, this is all I've ever known. This the Anaconda Company was, you know, is here, and that's what built my family and uh, the one before it, and and now that that uh, that earning piece is no longer no. gone. I mean, you did have some people that. That branched out and started their own businesses. A lot of those businesses, or some of those businesses, are open today. Ray Peterson, electric. Yeah. You know, Ray Pete. He was up on the hill. He was an electrician on the hill. He's a. He's a. They're a great supporter of mine. Have been since I was uh, writing at the newspaper when I took over K A N A. When I started Copperhead Country, you know. So those sort of things that have stayed within the community. But no, it's 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 a it's a very different place. Yeah,
0: it's. Uh of course, Butte's a different place. Everything's Butte. Uh, Butte was bigger, you know, so it's harder. You know, Anaconda, you lose as many people as you do. You're losing more of the, like the, the core of the community than you are when you know Butte, because we had wasn't our only industry, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, it was big though. I remember my dad coming. home. Seems like it was right before Christmas, telling us that he just got laid off from the company. And I remember, you know, it didn't bother me so much, but my mom. I remember my mom crying. Yeah, what do he do? Yeah, it was uh it was a tough cause the eighties were tough. And you know, like my dad worked on the road. You know, we were he was working on the road or unemployment, you know, back and forth. We didn't have much. No? And we were just like just like everybody else in Butte. Uh that's
2: my dad had to uh he, he went back to school, uh got into electronics a little bit, but then you know, he was a heavy machine operator. So you know, what do you do? You know, Mungus was there, uh Grey Rock trucking, um was was outside town there they did a lot at the lime quarry yeah but jobs like that were you know the manufacturing jobs it was at a standstill you know yeah. and Accounting butte was you know let's let's stay away from him even though they were the place to be when the country yeah. was growing and you know during the last world war and all that i mean yeah. they they were the reason why why you know americans and why we we're able to fight and why we we're able to keep building. And, yeah. you know, after that, that's one of the things that I've always said is, I don't know why everybody has so much disdain for Butte because Butte was the mother that gave up her body no. for her children. You know, they, yeah. I'm going to reproduce. And honestly, Butte and Anaconda, they were a little bit of that. And people will laugh and, and joke and kind of tease me about it. But realistically, it that is absolutely the case. I mean, yeah. and they still, um Still, what's going over there in the mine? You know they continue to try to do sure. exactly that. Anaconda has evolved. They're, we're you know we're capping the slag hill. We're you know that that's stupid. Yeah, they're going to cap it all. Yeah, so it all be capped. That stupid pipe on the on the hill. We've had people stand up and say they wanted to turn Anaconda into a Christmas town and and paint it like a uh, like a <laughs> candy cane. I just think that's the dumbest thing that everybody's anybody's ever said. But no, it's it's a what it is, it's it's a birthmark, really. And I mean, it's a it's a mark of our past. And you go golfing at the old works, and you know, it's nice to bring new people over there and and talk yeah. to them and just show them, hey, this is this is what happened here. This is what those yeah. flumes are for, and that's what it turned into.
0: It's too bad. I always I remember the big couple of lectures we had from Harry Fritz at at University of Montana in our Montana history class, which the best class you could take over at the University of Montana. That wasn't taught by Mike Lazovich, I should say. He was my favorite teacher over there. But uh, the fight for the capital, when Anaconda and Helena sparred off for the, to get the capital, how different the state would be if that would where it should have went. It right. should have been in, it. should have been right here. It absolutely should have been. And you know, you never know what
2: what the layout of the town would be. But I mean, realistically, the way things worked out to where you know when we were with the slag, and you know now being a Superfund area, which yeah. they're trying to clean up. How in the world would that ever have worked? Being a state capital, I mean, we understand now that you know it would have been very tough. But back then, is that where you want people to come into? You know, a town that was you know that blue collar. I mean, could could that could could a blue collar town actually be the place where all the politicians come in? I (laughs) I think that would have been a a pretty rough and tumble collection of people. Greg Gianforte could have never fit in here. Well, no. Quite honestly, None of it's... Them really, really, but... I mean, the guy that that still owns this building that I bought the business from, I mean, he's the first uh, Republican state senator in HD, what is it, HD 77, in yeah. like 75 years. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... This is always, always has been a union town. Butte has yeah. always been a union town. And, you know, that has kind of gone away when, you know, the blue-collar nature of the town has kind of evolved. But, yeah, I mean politicians would not have worked well in Anaconda. No, absolutely not.
0: No. So you graduated in 93, like I did. Did you have to redshirt any years? <laughs> no, no. I redshirted
2: I, my third grade year. I did uh, twice. So. I uh, I always tease or tell the joke that, you know, Anaconda High was the best five years of my life. <laughs> but uh, no, graduated in 93, uh, went to the military, no. um, did, did some really fun stuff in the military. I got in with the college fund, so didn't everybody teased
0: do, me. Didn't you do the parachuting and all that? Top no no
2: i didn't do any of that um i did uh i went through i just the thought of you f- throwing you out of an airplane just seemed like a good idea yeah i, I would be throwing i don't think they'd give me <laughs> any uh, any pillow on top of it to uh to do that but no i uh went into uh, the college fund as a ship serviceman so learned how to cut hair did laundry did all the stuff which was really fun on the aircraft carrier that i was on because talk about the hookups yeah i mean somebody needs i mean you're at a you're on a ship full of 6,500 people, you know, they need their clothes washed before they go on Liberty. They did, Hey, can we come down? Oh yeah. Um, the mess specialists, we always got, you know, delivered our meals. You know, we always got, um, we ran all the ship stores. So, you know, all the hookups and stuff like that. We never had to wait, worry about our checks because we were in the supply department and so was all the financial stuff. So, yeah, it, it was mail, same thing, supply department. So yeah. we never had to wait for mail call when we were out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. We got our mail delivered right to us, and, and of course, you know, we did uh, we did stuff for them. But, no, I, that's the first place that I was introduced, I guess you would say, yeah. to the radio. Because we, ra- we did a radio really? show on, on the Nimitz. Me and a guy by the name of Chuck Yablonski, who was in radio back in Pittsburgh. He's a... Uh, he's still in the in the i guess the the work doing that but yeah that's that was fun and then obviously when i get out of the military and go to tech um, i had a i had a 7 day uh, suspension for a joke that i told up at tech too <laughs> on the radio
1: Casa Grande Steakhouse serves steak and so much more you cannot beat their seasoned hand cut rocky mountain ground beef but did you know about their menu filled with made-to-order pastas, chicken sautés, mouth-watering seafood, appetizers, enticing desserts, or their most recent addition, sushi? Thursday nights are sushi nights at Casa Grandes, where you will be welcomed as a part of the family. Casa Grandes can also handle all your catering needs with style, class, and a taste that cannot be beat. Visit Casa Grande Steakhouse inside the historic Bertocchio Warehouse at 801 South Utah Avenue in Uptown Butte. Call 406-723-4141 for reservations. Check out their menu at CasaGrandaSteakhouse.com. Casa Grande Steakhouse, eat where the locals eat.
3: Dig City Supply has everything you need to cheer on your Montana Tech or diggers with the largest selection of locally designed and produced, fully licensed apparel and gifts. Bulldog and Maroon fans can shop their huge selection of fan gear for your teams and schools as well as a wide selection of Butte-themed items. Modern, classic, wear your pride from Dig City Supply, a division of 5518 Designs located across from the parking garage at 43 West Park Street in Uptown Butte or online at digcitysupply.com.
0: Visiting your neighborhood Thriftway superstops was already your favorite stop of the day. Now it is even better. Join the brand new Thriftway Loyalty Club to rack up big discounts, earn free stuff, and receive more TLC with every visit. Download the TLC app and take advantage of great deals on pizza, grab and go favorites, fresh brewed coffee, cool fountain drinks, and much, much more at your neighborhood Thriftway superstops. Loyalty Club members also save five cents per gallon off top tier conical fuel every single day plus earn points at the pump and in the store
2: this message is brought to you by
0: anode designs
2: in anaconda i know what you're all thinking fully you twit why are you letting this anaconda hack get connected with the cast? well folks money talks anode designs is a printing and direct-to-garment shop in anaconda but that's not all we do We actually specialize in embroidery and graphic design we also dabble in sign creation and vinyl banners also decals for your motor vehicles now there are so many great options for screen printers out there take 5518 for example you all know the work john and company do in butte and like me they support local guys like this who started a podcast really original but if your current printer is too busy to get your job done in a timely fashion why not give us a try for a limited time only all new businesses who place an order with Anode Designs will get their screen, embroidery, and graphic design origination fees waived. Just call 406-563-0121 or email LLC at gmail.com and use the code Foley Who? during the consultation. Anode Designs is a proud supporter of the Butte cast and is pushing hard to get more Anaconda talent on the show. Don't just take it from me. Listen to the buttery smooth voice of a Butte legend tell you.
0: There's two things we like about Butte: it's 24 miles away, and Tom O'Neill. Welcome to Copperhead Country.
2: Do you remember the joke? I do, I do, and um, <laughs> and I can't remember. I don't think it was Blackletter or Black Ketter, right? It no,
0: uh, Gilmore, might, Frank Gilmore
2: might have been the one before him, but I can't remember. But I talked with somebody in the administration, and they they had a complaint from a Butte High teacher about the joke. Of course, the kids thought the joke was hilarious. They used to listen to KMSM when they were doing... It was a big deal back then. Yeah, KMSM was great. They yeah. they would listen to it in shop class. Well, I always would have a poll and then we'd give, we had some, you know, slight yeah. giveaways some stuff. But I made the joke, does anybody know why they put a fence around the Lady of the Rockies? And of course, <laughs> we we did it for the two hours. People would call in and and nobody got it, of course, and I, no. that's when I said, well, it's there to protect the last known virgin in Butte.
0: <laughs> so, like I said, the kids really enjoyed that joke. The, uh, the adults, not so much. Remember the Seinfeld episode of the jerk store? Yeah. And it just backfired on them? Nicole Evans, when she worked with us, no, Nicole Brower now, she, yep. she, she came over and she couldn't wait because me and Matt Vince and I, we teased the heck out of her from being from Anaconda. and she came come over she had that joke. That was the specific joke she said. And she couldn't wait to tell us. And as soon as she finished saying it, Vinny just looked at her and said, it's one more than anaconda.
1: <laughs> and she goes, oh,
0: I hate you guys. And stormed off. <laughs> I'll it's never perfect. forget that. And she listens to the podcast too, so she's going to hear that. She'll listen to this one for sure. I've talked to her a few times. Which uh, she's the reason we I even got to know you. Isn't she? Because she got you. Didn't you get started at the standard with us? I did get Partner. started at the standard, yeah, but Carl Hennell was the one that got me with the standard. Right. Um,
2: um, Carl, of course, I was doing all the games. I've This is my 21st year calling games, whether it be on KNA or now yeah. with the stream. But uh, Carl, I got to know him a little bit, covering all the games and, and doing that stuff, and we were down in the Bitterroot Valley, and he said, yeah, well, you guys obviously needed help with stat stringers, and he knew that yeah. I had a journalist background. He was, I. I never did finish journalism over at the U, but uh, yeah. my wife and I had moved back here, but met with Bruce and Bruce started me off light in 2005. And then it just, you know, you know how Bruce used to man that, yeah. that sports department. I mean, there was what five or six of us stringers and then you guys with you and, and Pat, and of course Lefty and you know, Bruce, uh, Pat came after Carl left. Yeah, PR was kind of back and forth. Yeah. Off and on with the. But, uh, but uh, yeah, it was a huge department. Jessica and myself and uh, Smooth. You worked
0: with Jessica, didn't you? Yeah. That's where you. Maybe Jessica was. A, that's what I was thinking. Said Nicole.
2: Possibly. Yeah. Nicole wasn't.
0: She wasn't there. She anyone. was already gone. Yeah. Yeah. She was already gone. But yeah, yeah, she left just, right before Bruce
2: got in his wreck. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, in 2007, I got the opportunity to come back home and, and uh, do the Anaconda Leader. And after five years of that and some. You know some growing pains and some stuff. The KNA, uh, you know Pat Noonan, who was Noonan there with Noonan. Uh, with Aware. He offered me a job and I took it. So I was there until it burnt down. Until Kelly Olson, you know, wanted to light on fire because you know she didn't she didn't like the her boyfriend at that time no. that had a that former... maybe didn't
0: play enough Springsteen or something. No, like
2: no. She she honestly this is the honest reason. The guy that she was dating before, when they broke up she wanted to remove anything that he could possibly think well of and he used to date the old station manager that worked for jimmy ray Carroll before ron bought it and she went and broke into the back door and and torched the place okay she in jail still oh no she got out in like just over two years out of building. If, if we'd have done that we'd still be in there well at that time and it's a real thing and it's I was told, even, you know, was talking with with, uh, attorneys and stuff, and there's no rehab for a female arsonist. There's Mm -hmm. no rehab program. So, I mean, she actually went through the rehab of being um, dependent on alcohol Mm -hmm. and not for arson. But, yes, if there was a male that did that, they would have served at least five more
0: years. Yeah. So were you with with, uh, the leader still when we went to cover, Rob?
3: Over yeah, 100. Don't you remember?
2: Because I, you brought your Anaconda me. laptop. Yeah, my Anaconda laptop. I yeah. had to bring the only computer I had at that time because MacBooks you know macbooks Which, that, was a nice, out, yeah. that was a nice computer though. well yeah the imax i mean you did you know? all of your all your digital stuff <laughs> of course the standard had pcs but when you, and that's when i first that's yeah. when i moved to macintosh and i've never been without a mac Macs are way better than a pc way better, way better way better so don't even yeah. pay
0: us to say that but yeah
2: we go out there and of course when you guys stop to pick me up i have to open up the back of of ron suburban and i pile <laughs> that in the back and even going to the silver cloud where we stayed. I mean, and... Well,
0: the best part about that is you're carrying up and there's this guy's looking at you like, what's that? And I say to the guy, I just turned and said, this is Anaconda laptop. And the guy's like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, you're hauling around <laughs> this big-ass computer. This guy, I don't know where the hell this guy was from, but he just, I get, he accepted the explanation yep. as perfectly reasonable.
2: I was, I was the Anaconda <laughs> sports section, so yeah. that's where I took it. It's funny. I mean, when my wife and I, you know, had to go through in vitro to have our kids, I... I toted that thing up to yeah. my aunts, and I was doing my work from Spokane. So yeah, that was the Anaconda laptop back then. <laughs>
0: that was a fun trip. Oh, we—I uh, think we teased you the whole way.
2: Well, remember?
0: No. Yeah. We go down.
2: That's right when you stopped drinking. It was. It was after you stopped yeah, drinking. Yeah. But P and R did not stop drinking. No, P R did not. So we we were downtown Pioneer Square, and you know we. We go down and we meet a girl from Laurel who was a bartender at the place. And do you remember uh, John Wetland? Yeah, I was talking with John Wetland. John Wetland he had remember? a little bit too much to drink. Had, and well, he went,
0: I thought he was going to pass out. Yeah. Then he goes to the bathroom and somehow came back, rallied, and was just full of life. And he, <laughs> the reason
2: why he did was, you know, the woman, the bartender, said, Hey, these guys are up here. And John, at that time, he was an assistant with the Mariners. Yeah. And it was like
0: a bullpen coach. Yeah.
2: So we, like I said, we, you know, he got back to us that we were media. And when you're from New York or when you're from Boston and you hear media, you are like, yeah, we're going to shut down. Well, he started treating us like shit. And we almost got into a fight with John Wetland, of all people. Yeah. Downtown. I remember going home that night. He was kind of a dick, yeah. And we're staying at the Best Western uh, in Pioneer Square. Rooms are tiny. Remember, we went over, yeah. So we're down there in Pinesco and you, and of course Penisco's not drinking either. You guys and, and is a bed at nine o'clock at yeah. night, yeah. Pat and I come back and we're you know, we're we're oh, Pioneer yeah. Square. So I wake up and of course you, you sleep in your door. boxers. Yeah. I went out the wrong door. <laughs> and still not with it all mentally. I make the walk of shame down the banister in my underwear saying, hey, I locked myself out of my room, and you're in Pioneer Square. Yeah. It probably doesn't look good. No. So, yeah, they eventually ended up... And, of course, Jerry O'Brien was the name on the room, and I'm stuttering. I'm like, uh, I don't know, Paul Penisco, and I'm going through all these names, and finally it <laughs> pops into my head, Jerry O'Brien. Okay. <laughs> so then they come up and let me in.
0: But I beat on that door, and nobody answered. <laughs> Wait, they, those doors... Those, the two beds in the... In, you go to the big cities, the beds aren't queen. No. They, it was like a... Yeah, they were small rooms. It was, a small, it was a small room, and you go. I remember you go in there to go to when we first went to bed, and PR's in his underwear laying on top of the bed. There's <laughs> like there's no way you're you supposed to share the bed with PR. <laughs> So You were sleeping on the floor.
2: I'm on the ground, yeah, and yeah. yeah, I. The last time Melissa and I were up there, we were up there for uh, the Mariners. Um, uh, was it that time or was it the year before? But anyway, we're walking around through Pioneer Square and I had to show her. I'm like that remember the story. Yeah. And I showed her and she says, No way. I said, Yeah. Really? That's the banister I walked down because you can see it right from the right from the street. <laughs> and there's the front desk. It's still the same way.
0: Yeah. I, I was the one who got that room. I didn't realize at that time that when you go to a big city that you're not getting you're not getting the same room again <laughs> at the, so good. the Motel Six or whatever. But that was when I like P R. Gets in he bought like he ate like hot, 20 dogs. hot dogs. Yeah. Every, every cart you'd stop by, he, he would pound yeah, a hot dog. And he kept eating the hot dogs, and he, he grabbed a few hot dogs, and he goes to the guy driving the, the bike rickshaw around, and he gave him, like, I don't know how many, 20 or whatever he gave him. And he says, here, drive me as far as you can, as long as you can for this amount of money, but bring, as long as I get back here. So the guy just takes him around the block, <laughs> PR sitting there eat, eating his hot dogs in the back of rickshaw. <laughs> but uh, Wetland, see, Wetland, he kind of started to like me after the first little disagreement. Because I remembered his hat. Because remember, he wouldn't, he, they had to put a patch on his old stinky hat that he wore for right. workouts and stuff in the 96 World Series. So he thought that was cool that I remembered that. And I remembered why he said it. And uh, I text Davey, tell him, hey, I'm sitting next to a Yankee uh, World Series MVP right here, which should have been Cecil Fielder's MVP. I think I told him that too. Yeah. And, uh, and Davey says, well, tell him thanks for leaving and opening the door for the greatest closer of all. You know, Davey doesn't, like, he didn't even like him <laughs> anymore. Well, you get the World Series MVP for your team you know i i would be thrilled to meet didn't hear of Davey sitting next to manny ramirez well now you shouldn't like wetland you know now he's in that well he's in trouble dude yeah he? yeah he's in trouble i I've never... i don't know what ever happened i remember when he got he got charged i don't know if he got charged or arrested but yeah sexual exploitation oh, exploitation of a child yeah. or something like that yeah. yeah but he he gave me a good quote though cause that's when he told me about a time in oakland when and you see guys do it now but you didn't see it then Robbie's catching and a lot of times uh He's calling for, he thinks he's going to call for a ball in the ground, dirt. And he's banging on the dirt to, to make sure to remind the catcher to get it down. So the, the batter's standing there. I think it was one of the Giambi brothers or something. Or, I don't know what he would have been there, but it's, I can't It was somebody big for Oakland. Sure. So he's patting the, the ground, and so the guy's thinking, okay, here's a curveball. I'm going to lay off it. There's two strikes. You know, he's going to waste a pitch. Rob sits up and a fastball right down the middle, strike three. And John Wetland said, that's one of the smartest catchers I've ever seen in my life. And I'll never, That's so I got to use that, use that in the story I wrote about him, even though he didn't give me the interview he promised me the next day.
2: Well, yeah, I don't even know if she sh- he showed up to the ballpark the next day. I don't we know how, he,
0: I don't know how he. We looked it.
2: for him and we didn't see him, yeah. but uh, yeah, we, we saw him drive away in his uh, his
0: Lamborghini that was parked in right out in front in <laughs> Pioneer Square. Yeah. So yeah, he looked like a rock star out there. Yeah, that was fun though, just uh, I I we were sitting next to John Wetland and we just, uh... But it was a good night. now I I'd, luckily I wasn't drinking because those were the kind of nights that would have never ended well for me. Well
2: and that's what I chirp back at him. Yeah, what are you talking about? We're not here to we're not here to
0: throw down. No, we're taking <laughs> advantage of the fact that we know a guy was in the major leagues and no. we get to use press passes. No kidding. We get to sit in the press box. That's yeah. when we met we Ryan were Divish. We were there, yeah. We were there to cheer for the cheer for the Mariners. and, and Remember what Divish <laughs> said to us? You go ahead don't, and
2: cheer. Don't worry about all these guys. I know you guys know the rules, but if he gets a hit, if he gets in, go ahead and cheer. And
0: then when yeah. he got in, he came up and he, yeah, he was with us. Yes. He yeah. yeah he's loving it. Whoever yeah, PR got the lecture to that time with the guy, he's got a camera, but he's got a pass that says rider. And the guy's like, we well, can't do that. And he's like, because well, I'm working. I went from the from Montana standard. Right. You know, we wear different hats. And the guy says, well, you can only wear one hat here, you know, and. These guys, they just, there's all kinds of rules that we broke, a million of them. Sure. But uh, that was a lot of fun. Those two tricks, because you went, the next year, Noel Kowski went with us, Joe. Yeah. And remember Joe left, because we we talked, people probably don't understand how the conversations we had with Griffey, it was so amazing. Remember the first time we go up to him, we ask if we could talk to him for a minute. Remember how
2: scared I was. Yeah, because, you were, yeah, he you was, were, you were terrified, because yep. he's
0: like one of your heroes. Yep. Because you're a
2: born in Seattle, right? I was born in Renton, yeah, and then yeah. just moved back here. But yeah, Seattle is, those are all my favorite teams. Yeah. University of Washington, Seattle, yeah. yeah.
0: And still, I was in awe because it's, it's King Griffey Jr. He mm-hmm. just got, just went back to Seattle second for his last two year year and a half or whatever it was. And he wouldn't, he says, no, nah, I don't talk four games. Yeah. So, and then he kind of talked to us. It was weird because Rob was right next to his locker. And Rob would talk to us, and Griffey would talk to Rob and almost acknowledge what we said, but he would not talk to us. Right. And It was just, it was really weird. And the next year we go back again. I don't know what, cha- but Griffey was talking to us about everything. You, you made fun of him for being old. I did, yeah. <laughs> if he had VCR tapes because he was a really good football player. Yeah. If, if they were on VCR or what? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so we're so we're talking to him and, and it was really cool. It was a really cool conversation. I remember and I him down. I'm talking with Rob's boy who I I wouldn't have to take a knee to talk to anymore because I no. think I think he's like six three or something. Lane's a big kid, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so. Uh, all of a sudden, I see his, Griffey's hand come down. says, hey, I'm out of here. You guys drive safe. And I shook Griffey's hand. Yeah, thanks we, for coming. We shook Griffey's hand, and he initiated the handshake. Yep. And Noah Kowski, Joe Noah also a big Mariners fan, he left the game early that night to go see about a girl. Yep, what? Like on, go see about a girl. Like on Goodwill Hunting. He goes to go see about a girl and uh, completely struck out. Yep. And he was, <laughs> you know, and, uh, he was in the hotel room before we were. And... uh we were teasing the whole way home about how we gotta shake hands. I think we that we, we may have embellished a little bit, you know, how we're gonna go fishing with him and all this stuff. And right. but Joe was it just it just killed Joe to miss that out miss out on that. But I, I, I teased him till the day he died. No, it was it was uh yeah, it was one of those surreal experiences that this job allows you
2: to do some things that other people love, especially even now with what I do with skyline sports. Um, yeah. you know, you get out there and you get really close to the action, but there, I mean, you're talking about a kid or the kid, uh, and yeah. as a kid, you know, you look up to that kid and it, it was, it was, it was really special. I'm not a guy that goes out and seeks autographs. I, I don't understand it. Uh, yeah. I, it just, not something that I've ever done, but
0: that was, that was really cool. Yeah, that was fun. And we get to do that. It's our job. We get to do a lot of that. And of course, you know, you're, you're in, you're the, a lot of people could say, I'm, I have to take over, the footsteps of Pat Carney, you know, with the history. Sure, you know, everyone expects me to to, to follow that along, you know, and, and with the Hall of Fame and stuff. But Jeff Frank was a big, one of the big historians, two historians, sports historians in that context. Right? So Jeff Jeff
2: has a lot of the football stuff, yeah. and I'm not really sure how much he has. Uh, he and I had a disagreement back when I was um, doing the calling radio games with KNA and you know, still don't really see eye to eye. But uh, Tom White. Yeah, was the one who Dad, Tom, gave me man. all of his stuff so he he came down started uh started with dementia and spoke with you know in speaking with his kids um one of the things that they said is you know before he got sick uh he said that if anything ever happened to me he wanted me to have all his stuff so i have file cabinets of things um records scorebooks yeah. um Everything that he would have, he wrote a book that he never really got published. That someday I would like to get published and and maybe embellish on it a little bit, and you know have take expert uh, excerpts and and do stuff like that. But no, Tom White was awesome. The the Bible that I call it, it's a black binder. It's about three inches thick, and it has records from every year all the way back to the early 1900s, and all the way up until, you know, he stopped doing it back. I want to say it was. 2002 2003 when yeah. when he uh stopped doing some of that stuff he did a little bit of it after that but of course retired from teaching and and uh got sick and you know stopped doing it but no yeah tom white in fact the all-time list of thousand point scorers there's 16 in anaconda history 13 boys yeah. three girls and that is 100 percent i mean i i added the girls in there because that's when you have Allie hurley and tori yeah. hill and courtney mudry and and most recently what the the one who was closest to breaking it, McKenna Patrick, and we can talk about that here in a second. But uh you know, I know of all those names and, and it's really neat to chase history like that. Yeah. And, Of course Butte just had Brooke Batavinick. Yeah, you know, a thousand you know, scoring a thousand points. Six hundred and
0: seventy one so, in one year, which is That is wild.
2: Yeah, that, that is wild. Year. That's that's awesome. So no, but uh as far as historian historian, yeah, I mean very loosely with yeah. the historian, but I, I
0: I enjoy it, and I enjoy it because well, you're born the, you you're this, the keeper of the past. Now you didn't necessarily sure. go back and get it all, but you got it, and that made it when Ali was coming, breaking the records, and then Braxton's coming, you having that information out there made that so much better for everybody, it not just gives, the kids, absolutely. but the fans and everybody. It, it puts some historical context on stuff. And that's context, great. that's exactly right. And I remember
2: Braxton, you know, we always you know we Teased him. He he shot his shot. You know when when he beat Ally's record. You know Ally came back to town and and yeah. she watched it. And of course, when I was taking a picture of him underneath the basket, he leans over and gives her a kiss. Really? You know he shot his shot. Of course, they were friends because yeah. Braxton and or Ally and Tori were such good friends in in high school and after at the University of Montana. But but uh, yeah, it was it's it's a great picture of of him doing that. And that's just it. That's the context of. You know Braxton being coached by yeah. Rachi and Ron, and you know, them passing. You know Ron. You know yeah. the Estes's. So yeah, it's it's cool stuff. I mean, it's it. it Anaconda's a, a a town full of full of history, yeah.
0: and it, it's neat to be able to document some of that stuff. You got yeah some of the great athletes, of course. Everyone Estes is the was the one great story with tragic story, and Ed Califat. You know was a star. Who would you say? Someone says who's the best athlete in Anaconda history? You know. I mean, it's, that's a loaded question. With uh... I mean, how how in the world could you say
2: it wasn't Wayne Estes? Because I mean, he, yeah. he used to throw the shot almost sixty feet. I, I think he still has the Anaconda High School record. At like 50, really, he threw the shot for that far. Yeah, oh. and he, he just picked it up at the end. Yeah, um, because they thought back then he was he was overweight um, yeah. before he got to Utah State. I mean, he was he's a big dude, and he really slimmed it. And they thought that that would from from the stories that I get, they thought that that would help him a little bit with, with his footwork and with everything. And yeah. yeah, he goes out and throws the shot. And I think he, he might even throw the the discus as well. But no, you, you see some of the best athletes that we've had in high school. They've, you know, your Rob Hurley's and Scott Hurley's and, mm-hmm. and, and those people like that. Well, of course, you know, Ed Califat, he just passed away a year and a half ago, two years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he goes on, plays with Minneapolis Lakers, you know, stays in Minneapolis, raises his family. Uh, at that time, he was snowboarding. He was going back and forth to Florida, and I tried to get him back for a game. And he was at the age where he refused to fly, refused. Really? And there for a while, he was coming back for summers, and you and know, coming back and, and visiting his old place. I, I talked with like Tammy Hurley, and you know, he he would come into Barclays and and eat and stuff, but um, never did meet him. Uh, mm. Tried to get him back, and then of course he he felt he felt ill and. And ended up dying, but um, sent him at that time with KNA, you know, he, we were just a local radio station and we started streaming, but you know, he couldn't get on for games. Yeah. So I, I would send him games back. I sent him the game that Ali broke his record on oh, really? a CD and he listened to it and passed along his well wishes. And, and oh, it was, cool. it was really neat, but yeah, it's, Th- those sort of things are are amazing you know the, the names that you see on there with with Hewitts and Estes's and Hurleys and yeah we've we've had some we've had some stellar stellar yeah. people come through this school
0: the Uptop clothing company is a Butte based business with big plans in Uptown Butte Uptop also dresses champions around the state of Montana and beyond you will find the Uptop logo on Butte High's football uniforms and Uptop is designing the uniforms for Butte High's inaugural baseball season in 2023. Order your college or team apparel today. You want gear for the Bobcats, Grizzlies, Ordiggers, Bulldogs or Saints? Uptop has what you want and so much more. Uptop also takes custom orders on team apparel and uniforms. Visit teamuptop.com today and save 15% off your first order. The Uptop Clothing Company. Enjoy the moment.
1: There's no story so good that a drink from Park Street Liquors won't make it better. From the finest whiskeys and regional spirits to the latest RTDs and select wines, Park Street Liquors has all the ingredients to make your parties and stories legendary. Park Street Liquors can also assist with your corporate event or wedding by helping create and plan your wine and spirits menus. You name it and Park Street Liquors has it stop by and see Tom and the crew at 133 West Park Street or call 406-782-6278. Make your stories legendary.
0: Markovich Construction Incorporated is Southwest Montana's largest and most successful general contracting firm. They employ the best field craftsmen, managers, and support staff, and they maintain the most complete fleet of building construction equipment in the area. Markovich Construction has the construction team to make any project a success. They have a proven successful history of working with owners and design professionals to address any project challenges, and they routinely bring in projects ahead of schedule and within budget. Recent projects include the Veterans Home, Burt Mooney Airport, Starbucks, the Ridgewater Water Park, and more. Visit MarkovichCons.com to see some of their recent projects and call 406-494-3901 to let Markovich Construction work for you. Markovich Construction, when performance counts.
3: 5518 Designs is your uptown Butte destination for all of your apparel and gift needs. 5518 offers their own line of in-house designed and locally produced apparel celebrating what we love about Butte and our Montana lifestyle. You'll also find outdoor essentials such as Chaco sandals, DeKine backpacks and gear, and Kavu apparel and packs. Something for the whole family. Visit 5518 Designs at 27 North Main Street in the heart of historic Uptown Butte and online at shop5518.com.
0: How about for the best one
2: have you seen? The best overall athlete I've yeah. seen? Is Corey? I think so. Uh, Braxton's got to be up there. Braxton, as far as an overall athlete... See, Braxton wasn't ever a basketball player. I mean, he just played basketball. Yes. I mean, he was... They put him at point guard because, I mean, he was so strong and he could actually dictate the game. But in terms of overall athlete, athletes, man, I, I mean... I didn't see much of Rob. I was pretty young back when he was around, but... No. But... Tyler Hurley stands out. I mean, as far as Michael
0: Estes with the javelin. Rachi, you know, people. His, what people was his sister's uh, name? Mia. Mia. Yeah, you know, yeah, she Mia was phenomenal.
2: Yeah, Mia was a good basketball player. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's Braxton's got to be up there. I mean, playing Division One football with Montana Grizzlies. And that year, his senior year, I will tell you, that's one of the most athletic feats that I've ever seen. Playing with an, I think it was an eighth degree separated shoulder. Yeah. He had a just first year at Yeah, he, they, he couldn't even get recruited. And yeah. the only reason it was, that was the first year, it was after Bob Stitt left. Bob Stitt wouldn't recruit him. Um, Bobby comes back and Barry Sachs comes in, and yeah. off the plane, Barry Sachs goes and watches him play at Missoula Loyola. And he puts up like 32 against Loyola. And of course, Loyola was really good that year. Yeah. And the next day, he comes back and he has like 36 or something uh, in, in Anaconda, and Barry that second day, knowing that he had a completely torn left shoulder, yeah. seeing that this kid would do that on a basketball floor, still be able to play with a torn <laughs> shoulder. Yeah. He's like, yeah, we need you. So yeah, they signed him to a gray shirt deal and, and the rest is history. Now he's, a, yeah. he's been a two-year starting linebacker for him. Well, he started completely this year. He, he, I think he may have started one or two games this well, summer. How many years year. do you have left? This is senior year, This upcoming up. Coming up, yeah, because he's potentially an NFL guy. You know, at, at linebacker, we see what Troy has done. Um, is Braxton Detroit's level? Probably not, just because of the size and the speed aspect of it. But I mean, you see all kinds of guys like that. You okay. see, oh, who was the the Montana State guy with um, now with Denver? Uh, he was with the Eagles. Yeah. Um, I can't remember his name. Yeah, I can't remember his name. He he was one of the leaders in tackles this year, yeah. and just you know, you find the right defense and you find a niche uh-huh. to where you can get in there and do it and you know, I think he's got a shot. It'd be nice. It'd be nice, even if he got a chance to work out, it was crazy. He wasn't getting recruited, and he was really frustrated. and then, of course, his first his second game of his senior year uh, against uh, Big Fork, who was a really good team that year, he goes up and on the kickoff he he grabs a kid and you know shatters his shoulder, rips his shoulder yeah. apart on kickoff, just you know pulling him down. played one series and and then left. He came back at the end of that year. With the, with the torn left shoulder and played quarterback the last two, years, the last two games and had no chance at making – might have been the last three games, had no chance at yeah. making the playoffs. He just came back and played. But one of the things he told me, I still have the letter that he wrote me, and it was, you know, I don't care. you know I'll leave the expletives out of it, but um, I don't care. I'm, I am going to run out that tunnel. And B.J. Robertson, who you and I both know is one of yeah. the not necessarily best recruiters, but one of the best dudes in Montana, yeah. he tried to get Braxton. He tried and tried and tried. And uh, I, I will give B.J. this. Even though he knew he wasn't going to get a kid like that, he, was, uh, he never stopped being in ta- contact yeah. with him. You know, he was, he was that good at
0: his job. Yeah. Every kid I think I talked to that went to Montana State over the last 10 years, they asked him why. They said, B.J. B.J. Yeah, he was a good guy. So, uh, you have a you have a do over in Anaconda. What would you do? Would it be the the pink diaper bag game or the the Sydney football game? Oh, Sydney foot. We we got
2: hosed in the Sydney football <laughs> game, and honestly, it, the second one uh, we have film of it that it wasn't a completion. But man, that that was within the the Sydney seven in a row. I mean, Sydney were, was good. Yeah, they were good. Um, but the football teams that, that Anaconda had back then, um, I still remember to this day, the most telling memory that I have is Corey Hewitt standing up in front doing a little impromptu, uh, I guess it would be like an assembly. We were in the cafeteria and he stood up and he says, don't ever take this for granted. This doesn't happen all the time. And really, he said that he said that? that he said that, and honestly, it. It hasn't happened since. I mean, that was a semifinal, back-to-back year semifinals, Is that what was semifinals. coming here, yeah, back-to-back semifinals and night games. We played on Friday night back then. Yeah, I remember, I remember way back when uh, on the sophomore. Uh, well, what was it? Butte Central, Anaconda. When we were juniors, we had to move that to a day game on Saturday because of the stuff that happened, you know, outside. Of games at night yeah. on a Friday well, night.
0: The freshman game was over here. It was, a, it was a day game too. All the freshman games were always day no, games. No, but no, when we were freshmen, oh. the varsity game. Because I remember Mark Ashby scored. You know, the late okay. Mark Ashby, one of my favorite people. He he scored in a long touchdown. That's the game when uh Central we were like at our own twelve yard line, and it was fourth and one, and we were going to pretend like we were going to go for it, and then call timeout and punt it. And Jay Browdy snapped the ball on Hut two or whatever. You know, you know, and. uh poor Steve McCarthy standing there. <laughs> the Anaconda defense coming at him. Did I do what's coming? And Jay Browdy did a speech in speech class later that year, what it was like to go to the sideline and talk to Don Peoples after after he d stapped the ball. But I remember those guys coming out of that tunnel, that Anaconda team. They kept coming. It was like a clown car. Yeah. They just kept coming. Because it's not a very big locker room. No, the, the locker kept, room's tiny. But they just uh, kept coming.
2: Yeah. It, that, that's one thing that, that I wish we would get back into because – from the moment that everybody left the field all the kids would run over and we would stand on the railing and we would give high fives to all the players coming yeah. back out of halftime and it that was a that was a neat thing and it was yeah. real and it the kids that we had back then it Anaconda was was a was a whole blue collar town and yeah. we had some tough kids and yeah. it was yeah, a lot it was, of them. it was real
0: yeah. and of course you got the best you got the best stadium Football stadium, you got the best baseball stadium, and you know for in Washoe Park, that's my favorite baseball stadium. And then the Snake Pit is always a great stadium. But you were kind of behind the renovation of that you were on a school board before you took your football and went home in the middle of the meeting. Yeah, you before I kind of yeah. before I stuck my sucker in the dirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you were behind that in the Snake Pit. I mean, it was always a great place. Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, that that's that's changed it so much. Opening up that 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 end and everything new it's 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 great it's top of the line it really is and one of the reasons why it had to be done is i mean
2: we lost the daily gym uh, it was condemned uh, you know we one thing that i found in being involved with the school board is we don't really take care of the things that we have until they fall on disrepair. Yeah. And then- We the see money- that too imbued with the historic project. Yeah. They want to save the buildings that are right. falling
0: down, but not the ones that are going to fall down 10 years from now.
2: That's right. And so there's no deferred maintenance that were, that's ever put forth towards these yeah. projects and Memorial gym needed it. I mean, it was, I mean, it was still very functional and it was cool and it was iconic, the wooden bleachers and everybody loved it. However, yeah. It wasn't multifun- functional for our junior high for for kids to use it. You know, you know. Yeah. Now we have the uh, retractable I love, bleachers. I love playing
0: at the, the old Memorial Gym. Yep. or the old uh, Daily Gym. Daily Gym. Yeah, yeah. yeah so Memorial
2: but, Gym. That was one of the things that you know we.
0: You can practice. I refereed games
2: up there. They never used to have that. I assume. No, right? no, no, not at all. No, it was that uh, we had one side that was retractable on the on the right side. If you're looking at the the visiting section or the the student section. Yeah. I guess that would be on the uh, the northeast side. But uh, yeah, I mean, we had a little volleyball court back there uh, when we were in high school. But as far as just completely multifunctional now. That gym is was is one hundred percent multifunctional, and you know you can have your softball practices up there. Uh, you can have indoor if you know if baseball kids want to go up and play. You know you you put a net up there, and you can go up and swing away. And no, it's it's awesome. It's 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 really helped Anaconda, and now we'll host the Western B oh, uh, basketball uh, tournament here this year, and and that's that's going to be a load of fun. It's going to be great that we don't have to travel. I mean, we're always going to. And back in the Class A days where they Hamilton or Dillon or Butte or yeah. Ronan or. It's been you know, a while since
0: Santa Conda used to. Post. And there was yeah. a time that was the biggest gym in the state, wasn't it? Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, I mean, you could pack 4,000 people in there. And some of those Butte Central, Butte High games, they were, there was 4,000 yeah. people in there. That was a packed house. Yeah, it was good. Couldn't park anywhere near
0: it. No, not at all. You were parking at the Daily Gym yeah. to walk up the hill. So you were on the school board. uh they don't have a mayor in Anaconda. It's like a. It's a CEO. City yeah. Kind of. It's like. basically like Butte. Yeah. You ever gonna? I, no. Something like that, because uh, no. you do one thing about you is, is you're you're kind of. Uh, I always used to joke that you're, you're kind of a polarizing figure. Either people either really like you or they really dislike you. One hundred percent. But uh, the one thing it is is that always drives you is you have a love for your hometown.
2: I actually, yeah, um, and. You know some people say that's to a fault but no i mean i will always defend anaconda um i'm one of their biggest fans in terms of high school and it's it's something that i use just as a you know for me myself i mean i was a, i was a shit bag as a kid in high school i was i mean I, I mean i i've kind of turned the corner a little bit but um i had a lot of teachers where i still call them mr and mrs and i had some others that i won't but uh <laughs> But for the most part, I mean, it's it's my way of giving back and 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 hopefully righting my wrongs. Yeah. But uh, you know, some of the kids that come through here, I've you know, I've got to know very well. I continue my friendship with with a lot of the ones where I've coached. You know, still to this day, yeah. I see they now have kids and you know get to get to know them well yeah. like that. And it's that's one of the the most beautiful parts of uh, of what I've done is even the likes of you know Renzi and uh, over in Butte, you know, you start to know their kids and, you know, yeah. it's, it's neat. It's, it's neat to continue that little, that little rivalry that, that we have, even though it's not necessarily what it used to be. Yeah.
0: Well, one thing I think you've done is you've, uh, you've kind of st- helped make being a copperhead a big deal for any kind of kids, you know, with your, your store, your posters, you know, you're calling the games I think that's kind of commendable that you've done that. I
2: always say at the end of the game, once a copperhead, always a copperhead, and
0: I really do believe that. Um, I I believe that
2: we can give back to the younger generation. And like on Thursday, a a guy that I graduated with, Andy Saltenberger, who was, of course, he was one of the good ones. He was one of the good ones, and he's. I didn't throw any balls at Andy. (laughs) (laughs) Andy never played freshman. He went. uh, He played JV and right up to varsity. I mean, that's how good he was in high school, but but uh
0: otherwise i probably would have yeah. yeah
2: he's he's hosting my daughter and her team her fifth grade team they're going to go up and practice with them on wednesday so oh, that's awesome I, I i mean our kids are going to be they're they're going to be intimidated but it's going to be something that they remember and it's oh those are the girls we look up to oh this is how they do yeah. this you know that sort of thing is
0: is really good it's it's great yeah that was always the key i thought for dylan all these years is the kids wanting to grow up and be beavers? You know, kids growing up be copperheads and yep. restore that pretty good. Oh, absolutely. Well, Blake, I appreciate it, and I got to tell you, you look great. Butte cast uh, <laughs> with Bill Foley right on your shirt. So we not have, only you have Butte on it, but you have my name on your shirt.
2: We ha- yeah, with Bill Foley, it's right on my right above my left hip. <laughs> <laughs> or teat. They call those <laughs> in heifers. They call them teats. But we have to before we leave, even though we go more than your hour or whatever. We have to rip. On Renzi, what no. in the world? Okay, listen, we're going over there, at Butte Central, and I love mm-hmm. games at the Mac because you listen to Tommy O. and you know, yeah. I've gotten to know uh, Brody over the years, and of course, Don, I really respect Don a lot for what he's done at Butte Central. Early in my career with yeah. with uh, with the Butte Rats and stuff, it, it wasn't always the case. But <laughs> it wasn't always easy. We've uh, we've kind of come to a, a realization that we're not bad guys. <laughs> but seriously, when is the twenty one in me coming out on Renzi? You can't look like Brody <laughs> and have a brother that looks like that. He's adopted. When is the word going to come out? Twenty one in me. Yeah, the DNA testing. Yeah. That well, is not, when, when do the parents finally sit them down and say, listen, you know, we, well, we found you under an overpass well, you know, coming home from Whitehall, it, we brought it's, you it's home, possible. and we wanted you to be one of our
0: own. I, I would agree with that, but, you know, see, Brody, uh, Casey, and their sister, they were, they, they're like their mom, they're quiet, you know, kind of, and they look a little bit more like their mom. Renzi's more of uh, Eddie. His personality is is a lot like Eddie. I'm not talking personality. And I, I'm talking. I think he looks a little bit more like Eddie too.
2: When we were over at Meg's retirement thing <laughs> last year, and those two walk in together, yeah. it is honestly, it's like this Greek god. I mean, let's yeah. set aside my heterosexuality. <laughs> I mean, Brody's a good looking man, and then he's pulling along. <laughs> yeah. It's like oh. Job of the Hut and that yeah. dude that he had, you know, with the chain pulling him around. Yeah, he's not that attractive. Yeah, no, right. no, and it's just he's always he's foaming up. at the mouth and. I remember the the miracle at the yeah. memorial. That was the last year he coached football because he yeah. broke his laptop. You're just <laughs> jealous because he didn't marry into your family, though, right? That's right. He <laughs> da- he wanted to date my cousin. Yeah. <laughs> when he threw out the first pitch at Safeco, yeah,
0: put his arm around. and was just looking Christmas." <laughs> <instead.">
2: <laughs> that was at the bottom of the silver cloud. Is that how That yeah. was. Yeah. Divis was Divish was right. doing a hit on the radio, and we were doing mm-hmm. that. And yeah he he wanted to be uh, he wanted to come to family dinners with
0: with Chelsea. Yeah, Renzi was. Uh, he was the most popular guy in, in Seattle that night, just about, because people were going up and signing his ball. He yep. had a million people signed the ball that he had. He had the Rob Johnson shirt on. And that's because he threw throw He goes, Remember, he says, Why throw my first pitch and then Randy throws his? Talking about Randy Johnson. Mm -hmm. Although he never saw Randy Johnson. I mean, he may have saw him throw the first pitch, but he wasn't anywhere near him then. No, he was like an hour apart. He threw a
2: safe field (laughs) pitch before anybody was even
0: allowed into the stadium. I think we saw it was about it. Well, we may have I don't even know if we saw the actual throw or we just saw the aftermath. The only one he was waving at was the concessionaires getting ready for people to come in. They didn't even let the guys in for the batting practice yet. Do you remember
2: he was on the mound and he was waving? (laughs) What a clown. He is. No, but Renzi, he's uh, he's he's one of the good ones, and uh, I look forward to Thursday. I look forward to that uh,
0: that uh, that rivalry. So yeah, we can, now we can go. You can. He's, you can he's one it. of the good ones because when he heckles you when you're refereeing, it's funny. When he when he's working you, you know, he he makes you laugh. It's uh, it's tough not to high pitch voice.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you can wear that shirt over to do the game on on Thursday. No, no, no. I'm
2: so, uh, I'm a copperhead on Thursday. So. Uh, <laughs> I but I'll wear it. Yeah, I'll wear it when I'm cleaning the place here. When
0: I'm changing oil. <laughs> well, you're, you're gonna look good changing look that oil. I'll look good changing that oil. All right, thanks, Blake buddy. That's All right, bye bye.